Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right. Now, I'll tell you what, you know, I... I preached a sermon last night. I wish I had recorded it last night because there's a special anointing of what happened last night. It was a big deal. Who was here last night? Wow, it was, it was cooking last night. I, I probably can't replicate it, nor do I have time. So I'm going to give you the short version today, but it's, it's good stuff. And we're in the book of Exodus right now in our readings. And so we're preaching out of where we're reading. And that's what we're doing all year long. So we're in the book of Exodus together. So we're preaching out of that passage. And I'm going to go at this fairly quickly. Can I hear an amen? All right. All right, so let's start. We're going to start in Luke, all right? Luke 23, verse 5, it says, They were vehement. He's stirring up unrest among the people with his teaching, disturbing, you know, the place, every, the peace of God everywhere. He's disturbing the peace everywhere, starting in Galilee and now through Judea. He's a dangerous man, and he's endangering the peace. And that was them talking about Jesus. I mean, Jesus was coming into places, and they literally, the religious people of their day, they had their tight little religious programs. But when Jesus came, he was blowing up their religious programs. And, you know, they were saying, this guy is dangerous. He is a dangerous man. He's endangering their peace. They had things clamped down and tight, but Jesus came, and he was bringing freedom and liberty. And, and the way that he confronted the, the religious and social structures of the day, the people were literally, I mean, everybody knew about this Jesus, and, and those who, who felt like he's reckoning, he's messing with our little structures, they literally were saying, he's a dangerous man. He's a dangerous man. Are you dangerous? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you, are you, I never, I'm not dangerous. I mean, I never thought of myself as dangerous. Acts chapter 4, 13 says they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they marveled. Now, they arrested these guys, brought him in, and said, stop using the name of Jesus. Every time you use the name, I mean, Jesus, we thought we dealt with him and got rid of him, but now you guys keep on going out and talking about him. We thought we got rid of that dangerous guy, but now you guys are disturbing the peace. You guys are going out there, and you guys are packing it. It's... They said, you've been with Jesus. We know Jesus is gone, but it seems like you somehow are still hooked up to this Jesus. And every time he uses his name, the kingdom comes, the heaven invades. I mean, God shows up and they're like, stop it. And here's what they said. They said, you guys are uneducated, untrained men. They marveled. They said, these guys shouldn't be an issue. These guys, I mean, we're the smarty pants. We're the, we're the, 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 the big brain people. We're the smart people. We're the legislators. We're the political people. But we got these dummies that are coming in here, and in the name of Jesus, they're messing with everything. It says they're untrained men. The word untrained is from the word idiotus. So basically, they're saying, these guys are idiots. Any idiots here today? God's looking for some idiots to be dangerous people. Some people who won't give in to the structures of our day and won't yield to what we see, but demand that the kingdom comes in the manifestation. There were some idiotas. First Kings 17.1, Elijah the Tishbite came out of nowhere and he put himself in front of Ahab and he said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Not before whom I was standing, not the guy I talked to a few minutes ago, but right now I am standing in his presence and I'm standing in your presence. Right now, God Almighty, I'm bringing and I'm standing in front of him. I come in his authority and power and I'm telling you, he walked right into the king of the known world and he said, I'm 
saying no more rain until I say so. And that's the way it is, Jack. Amen. This guy had courage and boldness just to walk in, right in. I mean, I don't know how he got in there in the first place, but, you know, sometimes, you know, if uh, I've got into places just because I, I just looked like I belonged. Where are you going? Hey, how you doing? Oh, he looks like he knows what he's doing. Sometimes you just got boldest authority. You just walk in like, how you doing? Meeting the king. Thanks. <laughs> Boom. I mean, he was a danger. Got right in there and he said, he said this. I mean, he, he boldly said, I am telling you at my word, at my word, it's not going to rain till I say so. Where do people get this kind of courage? Where does this come from? Susan B. Anthony she said, cautious, careful people always casting about to preserve their reputation and social standing never can bring about reform. Those who really, in earnest, must be willing to be anything or nothing in the world's evaluation. If you're going to change the world, you got to not give a rip about what the world says. And you got to be bold and courageous. I don't care if I'm nothing or what they say about me. I'm on a mission. All right, Catherine Booth. I mean, this, she was a William Booth's wife, the head of the Salvation Army. Here's what she said. If you're going to better the future, you got to disturb the present said listen here's what she said she said we we are made for larger ends than earth can encompass listen to that the earth can't even contain the ends for which we were created listen to what else she says oh she doesn't just say let us be true she says oh let us be true to our exalted destiny What's in us is bigger than the world can even contain. What God has deposited in you, the world, this world, can't even handle it. What God's put in you is cosmic. It's bigger than you could ever imagine. What he's invested in you is the life-changing power of God that's out of this world. Are you dangerous? A.W. Tozer said the Christian is a holy rebel loose in the world with access to the throne of God. Satan never knows from where he will come, what direction he will come. Isn't that good? I'm a holy rebel. And I'm telling you, I, I'm, I, I, devil doesn't intimidate me in one bit. Not a bit. I've been given all power and all authority over all the works of the devil. You know what, if he tries to come in, it says right in Philippians 1.28, you read that. It says, you stand and you be calm. Don't be intimidated. Be confident. And your confident glare at him will remind him of his impending doom. Don't ever, ever shrink back in the face of hardship. Because boom, I tell you, you are a holy rebel, powerful and mighty, loosed in the world to eliminate the power of darkness. Please settle down. Man, I'm trying to get through this, people. All right, Bill Johnson, he said, I am impressed with anyone, if they're I'm not impressed unless you have integrity. He said, but I'm not happy with your life unless you're dangerous. I mean, I'm, I'm not impressed unless you have integrity, but I'm not happy with their life unless they're dangerous. Say dangerous. Dangerous. As much as I have the ability to do so, I'm not going to let those around me get away with just being nice people. I'm just trying to be a nice Christian. Just trying to be nice, just hang out, be kind to my neighbors. You're not supposed to be nice. You're supposed to be dangerous. You're a holy rebel, and you're here to change things. Thomas Brackett Reed, he said, one of the greatest delusions in the world is the hope that evils of this world would be cured by legislation. See, and if we think legislation is going to do it, then we are using the weapons of uh, carnal weapons. We're trying to use weapons of this world to usher in the kingdom. If we could just get the right people in politics, it would be good if we had a Christian mayor. I know a lot of Christians. I don't want to be mayor. They don't even deliver my paper very well. 
You know what? God's eyes are on this place. God's eyes are on his church. God's eyes are on his people. It's not about what's going on in City Hall. God determines what's going on in the earth based on us right here. You know, if we're praying for those people, we're commanding the right things to come to man, they won't be able to help themselves. They'll be doing it, and the rights of the God will manifest. We don't have to get that structure full of believers. we got to get the believers understanding who they are and the power that's loosed in you. Do we even understand the power of prayer? It says if you pray for those. It doesn't say if you pray for Christian leaders. It just says if you pray for leaders. If you pray for them, it says it'll go well with you, and you'll have peace. You know, we keep on trying to fight these battles with the wrong weapons. Reform must come from within, not from without. You cannot legislate virtue. This world needs a heart change. This world needs a heart transplant. This world needs a revival, a heaven-sent, powerful, gully-washing move of God. Amen. Settle down, please. All right, I'm moving rather quickly keep going pastor all right if exodus we're getting to exodus here's where we are exodus 1 exodus 5 1 you ready moses and aaron went and spoke to pharaoh and they told him this is what the lord the god of israel says let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor now they didn't start running a campaign and say hey we're gonna we're gonna run against pharaoh vote for us next time we'd like to be the leaders no they just walked into the known leader of the day and they said we who really have authority Almighty God, Almighty God is changing the whole process. Almighty God is saying to you, dude, you think you're in control, but you're not. Let my people go. I mean, that takes a lot of courage to just come out of nowhere and walk into that place and say to the guy who is the greatest leader in the world, walk right in his presence and say, let him go right now. I'm speaking for Almighty God, and I'm telling you, let him go. Well, let's look at, we, we missed four chapters, so let's look at the four chapters that got us to this verse. Are you ready? So I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give you three things. How did Moses become a bold deliverer of God's people? Number one, he was drawn from. Number two, he was drawn out. Number three, he was drawn in. Number one, he was drawn from. Number two, he was drawn out. Number three, he was drawn in. He was delivered from harm. He discovered his purpose, and he was determined to continue a life of trust. And that's pretty much it. That's the first four verses. That is it. I'm going to unpack it really fast. You ready? Exodus 1, 21 to 22. And because of the midwives, they feared God, and they were given families of their own. And Pharaoh gave his order to all people. Say, all people. Pharaoh told everybody, kill all the Hebrew baby boys. Not just the army, not just, you know, uh, people in, in office. He said, everybody, I authorize every single one of you in Egypt, please kill all the baby boys. So Moses was born in a time when there was a nasty attack on the future of a generation of deliverers. He was born in a time where the known leader of that world wanted to kill and wanted to put aside every single person, every child that had the ability to manifest liberty and freedom. He wanted to destroy the purpose before it began. So here he was. That's what happened. You know what? That's happening today. They're trying to take kids out before they even get started. And you know, it was the same thing in Jesus' day, the same pattern in Jesus' day. Herod then, when he found out a deliverer was being born, he said, kill all the babies. You know, when God's ready to do something big, a diabolical, demonic spirit will be released on the earth to try to crush and take away the seed of woman. Because he doesn't want them to be brought up because they have the power to deliver the nations of the world into the hands of God. And so that's what Moses was born into. That's the type of environment that he was born into. Pretty rough stuff. And that's what Jesus was born into. So he told all of them, kill those babies. The interesting thing is he, he didn't care if the girls lived. 
You know, we don't care about the girls, just the boy is going to cause us problems. But if you read this story, it was all girls that fought against his purpose. It was the midwives who, who didn't kill the babies. It was the girls who tried to keep their babies alive. It was the girls who were putting babies in arcs and running them down the river. It was his own daughter, a girl, who pulled the deliverer out of the Nile River and raised him. It was his own daughter who raised the deliverer who ended up confronting him and setting the people free. So give it up for the girls. That was good right there. Exodus 2, 3, and 4. Couldn't hide him any longer. What, what happened? Where's Moses beginning? What's going on with Moses? How did he start? He lived in the sink. He lived underneath the sink, the dripping taps. Oh, no, somebody's coming to the house. We better hide the baby. Shove him under the sink. Shove him in the dark. Shove him in the closet. Shove him in a hole. Shove him someplace. We don't want anybody to know there's a baby here. In those days when he should have been hugged, he should have been embraced. He should have been pulled close to your chest. should have been, been hugged and feel skin-on-skin skin attachment so that he'd be okay the rest of his life. In those periods, Periods where his mental ability should have been shaped and embraced. He's stuck under the sink with water dripping on his head in a corner, in a closet somewhere where he should have been embraced. He was pushed aside and discarded. Then he was finally shoved in a little basket and put in the Nile River. And the Nile River is full of 20-foot crocodiles. And when they threw those little boys in there, the crocodiles were having a feast. But they put Moses in a little ark and put a lid on it and covered it with tar. And he was spending now his life was in the dark, in the river with crocodiles. Going, I want to get at this kid. I want to have some lunch. That was his life. That's just what it was like. That's what it was like for the first several months of his life in the dark, under the tap, drip, drip, in the dark, crocodile meat. Man, that's bad stuff. I got a, a quote from uh, Marvin Knittle, Marvin G. Knittle. And here's what he said. Children who are securely attached when they are infants, in the first three months, he said they develop high self-esteem, self-reliance as they grow. Studies have attached to show that these children are more independent, they perform better in school, they have successful social relationships, and they experience less depression and anxiety. That's the kids that are cuddled, they're held, they're nurtured. But Moses was shoved in the dark, shoved under the sink, shoved in an ark, shoved among the crocodiles. How are you? Are you okay? Good, come on, shout back. I mean, Exodus 2.10, the princess named him Moses. She drew him out of the Nile River. She drew him from amongst the snakes and the crocodiles. She pulled him out of the water. She said, his name is Moses, for I lifted him up out of the water. The name Moses given to him, an Egyptian name, was never changed. That name means to be drawn, to draw. You see, the first thing that happened with that delivery, he might have had a miserable start. He might have never had all the things that psychologists today say you're supposed to have. He might have been deprived of all of that in the beginning of his life. But God, in the midst of that, drew him out of that dark, miserable experience. And God found a deliverer in a nasty, dark, messed up space. He pulled him out. And he pulled out somebody who would stand for him against the powers of the known world. And maybe you feel like you've had some kind of messed up start or messed up beginning. Or maybe you feel like you've experienced abuse or disappointment or there's been things in your life that you feel like, I'd never be what I could have been because of my awful start. I'll never be what I could have been because of some of the things that have happened to me in my life. You're feeling like my future is diminished because my past has got claims on me and it's pulling on me. If only I had this and if only I had that. If only this didn't happen or that didn't happen, things would be better for me. I'm telling you right now, today he wants to draw you out. Today, right here today, right here, February 3rd, Sunday morning, God wants to say to you, your past is done, it's abolished, it's over. I today am drawing you out because there's a destiny for you today that I'm going to pull you into. 
And he's still looking for giant killers. He's still looking for deliverers. He's still looking for people who will take his word and stand before kings and say, let my people go. It's not the kings in politics. It's not the kings sitting in city hall or the kings sitting in parliament. It's the kings that are sitting in demonic thrones in these areas. Somebody's got to go and stand in front of those demonic kings and say, let the prostitutes go. Let the addicted go. Let the sick go. Let them. We got to go. We got to get drawn out of our painful situation. And we have to confront the powers of this day and we got to realize God is raising up Moses today to go and say let my people go pastor settle down I mean what is the big deal the big deal is people are lost the big deal is people are sick the big deal is people are going to a lost eternity and we got to stand in the face of that and say enough I hope you get that. I hope you feel that because it's so important. Now, here it is. Wrong timing, wrong instrument. Exodus 2, 11 and 12. It says, he saw. I mean, he had a clear picture. I mean, here Moses now is a grown man. What's amazing is, is the guy who wanted to kill him as a child ended up paying for him and his whole career. The guy who wanted to kill him didn't realize that my daughter, this child that she brought into my home, she brought the deliverer who I tried to kill, brought him into my home, and I paid for his schooling. I paid for his university. I paid for everything for this kid. He became a prince of Egypt. And it's so amazing how God works that stuff out, isn't it? So amazing how he takes the wealth of the wicked and stores it up for the righteous. The enemy always overplays his hand and he ends up paying the bill. And that mother who, who put the child in the Nile, that child was found and brought back to her, and she raised that child. She nurtured that child. She cared for that child. And what God tried to destroy, God blessed her and brought it back to her. But here he is. He's got a revelation. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he says, that's one of my brethren. This isn't right. He had the right revelation. My people should be free. So he decided right then. He looked this way, and he looked that way. He should have looked this way, too, but he didn't. He looked this way and he looked that way and boom, he killed the Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. He said, man, I'm not going to let people treat my people like that. But he spent 40 years in the wilderness. Can I get somebody to do some intercessory breathing for me, please? Thank you. I felt that. That was good. All right. So here he is, 40 years. You know what? When you take in your own hands the purpose that God put in your heart, you know where you end up? You don't end up in your destiny. You end up in the wilderness. When you decide, I got the right revelation, but you take it in your own hands and you say, I'm going to do this myself, you're going to find that you're going to miss the purpose of God for your life. And I've seen so many people that had powerful potential and had incredible ability, and right there, they're nowhere near the call of God in their life because they took it in their own hands. And the devil wants you to take it in your own hands. The devil's not opposed to your calling, but what he's often, if the devil can't beat you down, he'll puff you up. And if he can't make you feel like a worm, he'll make you feel like a superstar. These people are hindering me. I've got a great ministry, and they won't listen. And I'm just, I got, I got to go, and I got to do what God wants me to do. Whoa! You know what? You got to be sent. You can't take it in your own hands. Because if you're not sent, there's no anointing on it. There's no blessing on it. If you don't have a community and a place where, where you're released and you're sent from, I mean, nobody, everybody knows where they're from. Everybody knows where they got sent from. And you got to know where you are. But Moses decided, I'm taking this in my own hands. And you're going to end up 40 years in the wilderness. But thank God, 
God found him even in the wilderness. Exodus 3, 1 to 4, Moses was tending the flocks. I mean, he went, went from, you know, an incredible place to being stuck 40 years in the wilderness out in the desert taking care of sheep. But look, suddenly a, a burning bush happens. Pow. And this bush is burning. Now, burning bushes in the wilderness are common. You just, and then it rolls away. And you go, that was great. But he looks over. It's burning. He goes, it's still burning. Oh, that's still burning. My God, look at that. The fire's consuming that. But then he said something. He said, I will now turn. Say, I will now turn. I will now turn and see what this great sight is. And then it says, when the Lord saw him turn. When the Lord saw that he turned. There's a lot of people all around you are burning bush experiences all around you. The voice of God is speaking, but you're so out of touch with what's really going on that you're not turning to see his voice. He is speaking right now in your situation. He's speaking today. He's never not declaring wonderful words over you, but so many people are so stuck in their own little selfish world that they can't hear the voice of God where they are. But you see, when he said, I'm going to turn, when the Lord saw that he turned to look, God called from him in the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. Okay, that was, wasn't that cool? Okay, that's good, all right. So boom, boom, then Moses starts to make excuses. He makes all these excuses. I mean, so he had the right, the, the right revelation before and the wrong time. Now it's the right time, and he's got the wrong revelation. Back then, he was ready to, you know, kill everybody and do stuff, but now it's time, and now it's time. And he's saying, oh, who am I that I should go? Uh, what will I say? I mean, what if they don't believe me? I can't talk. I, st I stutter, and then he said, please send somebody else. Boom, and then God said, okay, let me dumb this down for the guy. Let me bring it down to a base level. You ready? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Let me, let me bring it down. You got used to taking care of sheep, so let me just, what are you doing? Have you used that before? Throw it on the ground. He picked it up, picked it up by the tail. It turned into a snake, picked it up. It says, this I'm going to use as an instrument. All you got to do is use what's in your hand. And folks, God's put things in your hand. You don't have to turn into some wild, crazy superstar to be dangerous. Just use what God has already put in you. You don't have to, wow, I feel pressure today. Pastor wants me to turn into some spiritual beast. No, I don't. I just want you to do what you're doing right now with a revelation that what's in your hand is powerful to bring about the kingdom of God. Whatever you're doing, do it with God's glory on it, and you're going to see God show up in every aspect of your life. Just use what's in your hand. Give me another slide, could you please? I mean, God gave him all these I wills. He said, I'll be with you. I'll bring you out. I'll stretch out my hand. I'll give you favor. You're going to have my presence, my power, my protection, my provision. God had to convince him, Moses, I'm going to use you. Moses, I'm going to do big things through you. So that simple staff turned into something that turned the Nile into blood, the part of the Red Sea, that water came from a rock, victory over the armorites. All of these things happened because Moses... All he had to do, all he had to do was use that one, one staff that turned into an instrument of God in his hand. God didn't change anything about his whole life except tell him, this is now going to be an instrument of power in your hand. And whatever you're doing, I mean, if, if you knit, knit to the glory of God. If you're a plumber, plumb to the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, if you'll be faithful where you are right now with what you're doing right now, God is going to use it. And you know what? If there is other stages for you to move into, if you'll be faithful with one, he'll give you two. If you'll be faithful with two, he'll give you three. If you'll be faithful with three, he'll give you four. A lot of people say, I got a great ministry. I'm stuck down here. I hate doing what I do. I just do this simple, crazy job. If you do that simple, crazy job to the glory of God, God will bring you out. 
Moses drawn out. You see, now he was drawn out of that situation, but now God wants to draw out of you what he's put in you. And what he's put in you is powerful. But it's not going to come out if you keep on thinking, somewhere in the future is my destiny. Your destiny is today. Your destiny is now. Your ministry is now. What you're doing now. Be faithful in what you're doing now, and God will unpack your whole destiny, and it's powerful, and it's glorious. Give me another slide just for fun. In your hand, it may have no eternal significance, but what happens when you loose it into God's hand? But if you cling to it, it's nothing. And a lot of people devalue what's in their hand. You know, I mean, I mean, Jedrin, you're just a psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever it is you do. I mean, that's all you do. Are you kidding me? That's amazing what you do. You may think, but I just deal with these troubled people all day. God wants to do something wild and incredible where you are. And there's more that he wants to unpack. If you, if you realize that what you're doing, and I'm not saying you don't, I'm just picking on you for fun. When you realize that where I am right now is the placement of God, where you are in this community, where you are in the city of London, where you are, when you start to see that as not something that you devalue, you say, I'm just doing this. You're doing something powerful to the glory of God. I mean, and George is selling shoes over, over at, uh, what do you call that shoe store? Aldo. I mean, man, I'm not selling shoes. I'm, I'm honoring God. I'm glorifying God. I'm demonstrating the kingdom everywhere. If you devalue where you are right now, you're not going to see God bless you and take you to another level where he wants to be. And who's being lost? Who's being missed? Who's going lost in this whole situation because you are devaluing things? Ah, what I do is nothing. What you do is powerful. What's in your hand is the instrument of God. It's powerful stuff. All right, I got to move on. Can you say move on, Pastor? Give me a slide then. Boom. What if Moses had not surrendered his staff? If he didn't, a nation would be in slavery, thousands in bondage. It would never heard about Moses. That staff would have never become the rod of God. Surrender what's in your hand. It's powerful. Never diminish yourself. Stop telling me you're nothing or you're nobody. You're powerful. God's drawn you out of your past once and for all. It's over. It has nothing on you. And where you are, it's significant. It's meaningful. And do it under the glory of God. And God will unpack it and open doors that would blow your mind. Because you are destined to be dangerous and change the world, every one of you. If it's at Starbucks, it's one coffee at a time. Whatever you're doing, it is the placement of God to open something fresh and new to you. You are there confronting thrones and dominions and things of darkness and ushering in the kingdom of God. Powerful stuff. Shape. That's what Peter said. Everybody's got a shape. Here's what shape means. Shape means we got spiritual gifts. We got a heart. You got abilities and personality. All that you are is wrapped up in the purpose of God. And what God did with Moses is he brought out of him. Moses drawn out. And God was to draw out of you who you are. He was to draw out of you what he has packed in you. Quit getting trampled down by your past and present difficulties and just your own lethargy and nonsense and shake yourself because you are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Give me another slide, please. Mark Twain, he said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's not the parts that I don't understand that bother me. How many have read some stuff in the Bible you don't understand? Like, er, God didn't like her, so he killed him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I don't understand that. What's that all about? You know, don't let the stuff you don't understand bother me. Mark Twain said, it's not the stuff I don't understand that bothers me. It's the parts I do understand. Here's some things I do understand. You ready? Love your neighbor as yourself. Be kind to one another. Let us not stop gathering together as some are already in the habit of doing. I mean, there's all kinds of Bible stuff I know all about. Be kind, be nice, be patient. I mean, I understand all that. It's that stuff that freaks me out every day. It's not the stuff I don't understand. But I said that because we're going to read something a little strange. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. All right, we're all the way down to Exodus chapter 4. And the Lord met him, and he sought to kill him. Hallelujah. 
So the Lord, God goes through all this trouble of telling Moses, you have a destiny, you have a purpose. He goes through all this trouble of overcoming all of his excuses until Moses is all ready, goes to his father-in-law and says, hey, I'm taking the family, heading back to see how the family's doing over there in Egypt, all right? So he's like, okay, father, I'm ready to go. I'm going to go be that deliverer. I'm going to yield just as I am to your call in my life. I'm going to submit to your claim on my life. I'm leaving everything familiar, and I'm traveling into my destiny. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow, what an awesome guy. So he gets down the road, it gets dark, and he pulls into the Holiday Inn, unpacks the Chevy, puts everybody in for the night, and he locks the door, and, and all of a sudden, God's tapping on the door and wants to kill him. Amen. Let's close in prayer right there. I mean, we were doing really good until we got here. I mean, what, what's, the deal with, what's the deal with God? Like, So you, you submit to his plan and purpose in your life, and then what? He changes his mind. He wants to, what's going on? Does anybody know what's going on? Like, can that happen with me? I submit to God's call, and then somewhere at a Holiday Inn, you know, over on Highway 115, all of a sudden, tap, tap, tap. What? The Lord sought to kill him. Then Zephora, his wife, took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskin of her son, cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. Had to shout that because there's an exclamation mark in the text. What is that all about? And then sure enough, they pack up the Chevy the next morning and head on down to Egypt and deliver the people of God. It was, but did God eat some bad pizza that night and just he felt like snuffing somebody out? Does he just have these random fits where he wants to kill somebody? I mean, what's going on here, Pastor? Well, let me tell you, there's volumes written on these few verses. And let me give you what I think. And what I think, and $1.75 will get you a large coffee at Tim Hortons. All right, are you ready? Here's what happens. I think Moses circumcised the first son, and Zephora was like, I don't like that's kind of messy, not sure about your religion and all the stuff you guys do, but uh, I'd rather not do that with the second son. So Moses said, yeah, whatever, no problem. But now they're heading into their destiny. We're going back to a whole circumcised group of people. I'm going back into that covenant. I'm going to minister under that covenant, and I'm traveling with a child who is not circumcised. I am traveling where in my own life I've breached the covenant, and this whole blood covenant, this whole sign, this whole thing that's very, very important to what I'm doing, I've just decided that it's not really that important. God, who's gone through all of this effort to get you into your destiny, is just about ready to kill you over this. How are you? Are you tracking with me? So I'm telling you, you better make sure that you got all your duckies in the line if you're going to serve God, because if you don't, he'll snuff you out. I'm telling you, if you think you're going to serve God around here and you're going to toy with the things of the devil, glory to God, he'll snuff you. You make one step outside a line. You step out of the boundaries one little bit and think you can serve God with the devil in your back pocket. I'm telling you, no. Makes for good preaching, though, doesn't it? Makes you want to run to the altar and say, oh, my God, I got problems with my life. That's not what this is about. <laughs> that's, not what this, that's not what's going on here. But it does scare the poop out of people. And it does make God cast him in a bad light that he's kind of fickle. But he's not. But it is important. It was important in their covenant. 
Genesis 17, 13 to 14. He who was born in your house, who was brought with your money, he must be circumcised. Or anyone bought with your money must be circumcised. Anybody, any male in your house has to be circumcised. This is my covenant that shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, you guys have already read this last week in Genesis. But since any that are uncircumcised in the flesh, that person shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. You know, some were, were talking about the Old Covenant. We're in the Old Testament. There's a lot of funny rules in the Old Testament. God, you know, said these are important. And it's important because this was a sign. All of these things were pointing to Jesus. And see, in their covenant, believing in the promise, believing in the finished work of the cross, believing in that was how you had salvation. In our covenant, the circumcision is done spiritually with the hands of Christ. When we believe in him and we're baptized, there's a circumcision where we are circumcised and we are brought into union with Christ because of circumcision. Your union with Christ, you cannot do a God-ordained thing. You are not authorized to fulfill a single purpose of God outside of him being the source of everything in your life. You can't take fleshly acts. You can't take your works. God didn't say, I want you and your amazing abilities as a carpenter to come and serve me. He just wants you. you got to surrender your gift as a carpenter. You know what? He may call you and you never use your carpenter gift again. He may use you totally differently. But God doesn't want anything that you bring to the show. He just wants you. And if you think that it's you and some stuff, it's another religion. God just wants you. It's going to be him and his righteousness alone. The only way we get in is because of his finished work, and anything we do in the kingdom is because of his finished work. Nothing finds its origin in the flesh. It's all we live by, we move by, we are led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God alone. Can I get an amen? All right, let me just read a couple more verses. Give me another slide. Uh, we are complete through our union with Christ. We were circumcised, not with a physical procedure, but Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of our sinful nature, buried in Christ when we were baptized, raised to new life, but you trusted. You trusted the mighty power of God. Give me another slide. Verse 10 there in Colossians, you are complete in him. It's the word pleroo. You are complete in him. 130 times Paul says, in Christ, in Christ, you're in Christ. For you to do anything for God, you must be in Christ. You see, he brought you out, he brought what was in you out, and then he brings you in. He brings you into himself. Anything you do, there's complete surrender of every particular of your life. He renders you perfect in every way to carry through to the end to accomplish and to fully carry out every purpose. You're not complete in your ability or strength. You are complete in him and in him alone. Give me another slide. Bam. Moses became that bold deliverer because he was drawn out from, he was drawn out of, and then he was drawn in. He was delivered from harm. He discovered his purpose and determined that he would go on in God, but totally trusting him. Amen. Come on, stand up with me. Wowzers. Thank you for the intercessory breathing. I appreciate it. But I want to pray for you. Listen, I don't know everybody here. I want to pray for you right now. Listen. Maybe you've never done that one thing where you've said, look, you know what? The only thing that matters in life is what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Christ? Where are you going to place yourself? If you've never made him your Lord and Savior, I want you to do it today. So we're just going to, every head bowed, eye closed, we're all praying. 
If you've never made that decision, say, be the Lord of my life. I want you to do it right now. Because he wants to draw you out of the grips of this world, of the grips of the enemy, of the grips of the kingdom of darkness. He wants to bring you in to that place where you're a child of God. If you've never done it, I'm going to count to three and you can put your hand up and say, pray for me, pastor, today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen, here it is. One, two, three. Please throw your hand up very high, very high so I can see it. Thank you. Anyone else? Put it up so I can see it really high. Thank you. Anyone else? All right. You can put your hands down. Thanks. We're all going to pray. You ready? Everybody pray with me. If you had your hand up, lift up your voice and pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you delivered me. You've set me free. Your blood demands forgiveness of sins. And it makes me, by faith, a child of God. I receive you now as my Lord and as my Savior. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Testify that I am a child of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody may pat you on the shoulder and talk with you and because we want you to unpack fully what that is. Now, can I get everybody who's ready to minister at the altar to come? And I want you to just hang on, all right? Don't want you to start packing your you know, suitcase or whatever that is you call your purse or whatever. I just want you to pay attention. Listen, there's some of you here today and you know what? There's stuff even in the last weeks, months, years. It's not just stuff. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe you really had never had a connection when you were born. Maybe you feel like I got stuck under a sink with a tap dripping on me. Maybe you feel like I've spent my whole life in a in a little boat in the river with crocodiles, you know. I, I just feel like I, I had a bad start. I just feel broken. I, I, I just feel like I'm missing something. I'm lacking something. Today, February 3rd, today, Sunday, the February 3rd, Super Bowl Sunday, 2019. God wants to draw you out once and for all. And he wants to separate you from everything you think may hinder you. He wants to deliver you from that completely. That today you can stamp in your calendar, stamp it once and for all, that I am a child of God. And these past things, they got no claim on me, nothing on me. And they're never coming beyond today. I am free. And who the sun set free is free indeed. Now just bow your heads. Really, this is so important. Some people never get past this. They spend their whole life thinking they're second-class citizens or what could be or if only that hadn't happened, if only that wouldn't happen. Whatever you've experienced, whatever it was, some deep form of abuse, something horrible to you, I'm telling you, God wants to draw you out of that to, your, to himself and separate you from that once and for all. Now listen, if that's you and you say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to put an end to that. Put your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. Put your hand up right now. Put it up and say, I'm done with that. Put it up and say, I'm finished with that. Put it up and say, I'm not letting that shape my future ever again. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that the blood of Jesus is so powerful. It sanctifies and it separates me and delivers me. And I thank you, Lord, that just as Moses was drawn out, you've drawn me out. And you've drawn me out not just to be okay, not to have an average life, not to, not to have plan B or plan C, but you want plan A. You want me to be dangerous. You want me to be used today. You want to bring me into the fullness of my calling. And Lord, I, in the name of Jesus, I command healing to come. I loose the power of God that goes in and it heals that broken heart. It touches that heart right now and removes the pain. It removes that. That event will not shape my future ever. I am a child of God and who the sun sets free is free indeed in Jesus name. In Jesus name. 
You know, maybe you've been despising where you're at. Maybe you've been thinking, my job, I'm just a nobody. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I wish I was doing great things for God. But, you know, you've been, you've been despising what God's done in your life. And, you, you know, you need to make friends with where he's placed. You need to be, be, be awesome where you are. And maybe you say, I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like where I am. God wants to set you free from that. You know, God wants to draw you right now into a place where you trust him where you are. And draw right now that, Lord, where I am, I'm going to draw from you. Where I am right now, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to take my destiny in my own hands. I'm not going to try and do this myself. Everything I do, Lord, I trust you. And I trust you that I'm faithful what you put in my hand right now, that you're going to cause my hand and my heart to get connected, and you're going to be glorified in my life. So, Father, touch my life right now. If that's you, really, if that's you, say, look, I was designed for more than this. I've been... I haven't been celebrating who I am or what's going on. I've been living an average existence just thinking I wish there was something better for me. If that's you right now, I want you to put up your hand because I want you to be free from that. I really do. I want you to be free from that. You think, ah, and you keep on looking. Maybe my destiny's here. It's somewhere down the road or it's three years from now. You know, you're awesome today. Right? Today you're awesome. And God wants to touch you. And I know there's so many of you right now that, that you're living an average, miserable situation because you don't think you're really significant doing what you're doing right now. But you are. And if you'll embrace what you're doing right now and let God's Spirit be poured on, He'll take you into other levels. And He'll take you to new places. But you got to bless today. you got to be current today. you got to be here. you got to be available. you got to be alive right now. God wants to use you. So the altars are open right now. We're going to bless you. And there's people here ready to pray for you. If you need ministry in any one of those areas, I pray that you would come to the altar and get ministry today. And I just want you to know that the door is open to get a chair at 5 o'clock for the Super Bowl party. We're going to eat at 5.30 and around there. And then kickoff, I think, is at 6.30. So, so come on out. If you come late and you get a bad seat, that's your fault. All right. But I do want to say the altars are open very seriously. You know, I think there's a place for you to meet at the altar right now, God, to touch your life. And today is going to be a transitional moment for you. You'll never be the same. Father, bless this house, each and every one. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you are expanding. You're expanding our footprint. You're breathing on us. You're calling out of us as a people. You're calling to us. You're saying, Moses. I'm calling you to this nation. I'm calling you to deliver a nation. Moses, come on. And he's pulling us out of a situation. And he's expanding our footprint and who we are as a people. And Lord, we thank you for that. I bless each one here today. I pray, Father, your great love to be ministered to each and every one. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Holy Spirit, partner with each other as we go to manifest your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you. The altar's open. Come on, get some prayer.